0: This podcast was created on Messi. Create your own show today at Messi.fm. To ferociously in the opening minute. Hello Sheddies. Yeah, sure. You bunch of cunts. <laughs> what a tremendous new word I learned this weekend. Watching the England versus Ireland match. One of those role models said cunt, and now I use it all the time, and so do my kids. We all use it because it's great and now the world has gone to shit. <sighs> I'll get back to that later. Um, but speaking of shit, I had the shits this weekend. Did you did you know about this? Did I even mention it on Twitter? Even if I did, you probably didn't see it, but Friday night, went to bed early, excited to watch the big game, England versus Ireland, and uh, fell asleep for an hour, woke up feeling terrible, and I ended up throwing up and shitting, I've talked about this before, not shit, but uh, shit batter, the ingredients of shit, Ugh! what a horrible start, uh, every half an hour. Um, I finally caught the plague that has swept through my house. First, my little one had it. My youngest Ollie, uh, who will be six tomorrow. Happy birthday to him. Um, it's, he got it up all night puking. Then my wife got it up all night puking. Then my daughter got it up all night puking and shitting. I think my wife might've been shitting too, but she probably wouldn't appreciate me telling you about that. Um, she's just got off her period. Um, um, And finally I got it and it's the worst I've ever felt in my life. I don't know if you've ever had a stomach flu where you vomit so much, there's nothing coming up. You're just dry heaving and your stomach is cramping. But here's what really pisses me off about it. Like I said, I also had the shits, the squirty shits, the jappy crappies. So I, I would run to the bathroom, not run, but sort of scamper in a in a sort of hunched over mutant fashion. I would scamper to the bathroom, sit down, shit my guts out, and then vomit. Now, the I think it was the fifth time. Well, wait, I, mean, I only threw up. I can't remember. I think it was the fifth time. I went in, shit, and didn't have time to even wipe my ass i just started to throw up before i could get my ass off the toilet so i spun around and threw up into my own shit now long time listeners not even that long time listeners anyone who's been listening to this for for a few months will know this isn't the first time that i have fucking thrown up in shit because do you remember the cigar incident if you don't know it was a it was halloween time whenever that podcast was i Uh, long story short, smoked a whole cigar and I don't smoke cigars, and I must've inhaled a lot and I ended up throwing up a lot and, uh, ended up throwing up in two bathrooms in the second bathroom. I threw up in someone had taken a shit in the sink anyway. (laughs) So I threw up into shit, which does help the throwing up process. You throw up even harder, but this is how have I thrown up into shit twice within one year? It's only been It's been three months, basically. I've gone my whole life, never thrown up in shit. Now I've done it twice. Horrible. But I'll tell you what, it was worth it. If that's what it took, if this was some kind of weird sacrifice, vomitus, species, is that a word? Sacrifice that allowed the English to win. Well, you're welcome. You know, I'll do whatever I can to help our team help our country. But, um, it was fucking brutal, but I was up all night. Weird thing happened. Um, I was, I had no sleep and in between throwing up, I didn't feel too awful, but I was out of it. I was delirious. I got super emotional. I remember whenever the Scotland match came on, I saw that the Scottish national anthem made me emotional. I think I was just thinking about how proud they must be to be playing for their country. And I started getting more, I, I tweet, if you saw the tweet where I was like, I'm fucking ready with an English flag. That was when it happened. That's when the emotion kicked in. And then my wife came out and I was, this must, this must have been like seven in the morning and I was laying there and I was so out of it. I was just singing return to innocence by Enigma. Like with my eyes closed and like, I didn't see her. She interrupted me. I went, oh, oh. oh. Because I was, like, in the zone. I was just laying there going, You know the song. If you don't, check it out. It's quite good, actually. Um, But Christ Almighty, it was worth it. Because that England match, I'll be getting into that, obviously. Before I do, I want to complain about a woman I got in an argument with. Now it's not actually, I had this argument a long time ago, but I bumped into her and it reminded me of this argument I had. And I don't think I've told you about it. I had an argument with a woman who, um, if I have said this before, I apologize, but you probably can't remember. Um, cause I can't, uh, years ago, a girl I used to work with. She was really into ghosts. She was a weird bitch. Like, first of all, do you know what ringworm is? I only heard about ringworm when I came to the U S, but I'm sure it must exist in England. Maybe we've got another way, a word for it, but it's a fungal infection, right? That that takes the shape of like a circle on your skin. And this, what's this girl, she's talking to me about when she had a, had ringworm. And then she tells me, yeah, if you could, I got it in my eye. And I was like, in your eye, I didn't think you could get ringworm in your eyes. She goes, yeah, and if you looked really carefully, you could actually see the worm moving. And it was just this weird moment where I looked at her and went like, what the fuck? And then she could see in my eyes and in my expression, um, in my eyes, she could see the worm, uh, And then she could also recognize that I recognized her bullshit and she looked terrified. And then I got embarrassed. and It was really weird. But that's not the incident I want to talk about. She was really into ghosts. She was one of these horoscope bitches. First of all, by the way, and again, I may have said this before, um, only girls are ever really into astrology, you know? Aren't they? Like some sometimes, sometimes a, a man will say he's into astrology, but he's just trying to get pussy. That's the only reason he's doing it. But girls really believe in that shit. A lot of them, you know. And you know this is true because you've never had. This is the best example like, I can think of. You've never have you ever been in an argument? with a male friend where you've pissed him off and it's ended with him going, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Fucking thanks a lot. Fucking classic Scorpio, man. And they storm out. I've had girls tell me classic Scorpio. You know, I am a classic Scorpio, the sexiest of the, of the, uh, astrological star signs. Is that redundant? Anyway, um, I had this conversation with her about ghosts, which I'm going to try to remember. Um, um, what the fuck? How did it happen? I can't even remember how it came up, but I was like kind of fucking with her. But then she started annoying me because she, I don't believe in ghosts. And and listen, I'm fucking crazy. I've like tried to summon demons and talk. You remember the moon goddess bullshit. I was going again, the God I've talked about a lot of bullshit on this podcast. If you haven't heard at one point, I had this bizarre experience where I communicated with the moon goddess Eris and I still, when I see a full moon, get a bit weird, but, um, but I don't believe in ghosts, at least not in the sense that most people do. I don't believe that there's dead people's souls walking around and stuff, because here's the thing, the conversation I had involved, she was saying that somehow she had was haunted. And the reason was she said that someone had, had died there. And I told her, well, this is why I always think about this shit. I said, well, of course somebody died there. Somebody's died everywhere. You know? I don't give a shit where you are. Someone has died there. Okay. Especially if you're in England, that's a small country that's been around a bloody long time. And English people are really good at killing. Like we've been very good at that for a long time. And over here, America, Jesus Christ, they're really good at it. Now I could tell you my school shooting jokes. Um, but, uh, fucking hell. What was I saying? And by the way, I'm still a little bit ill. I'm still a bit fucked up and I still haven't had enough sleep. But anyway, I told her, I said, of course, someone's died there. Someone's died everywhere. You know, I don't care where you are. In the US, for example, and this is what I told her. Somewhere in this room where we were in a restaurant at the time, someone in this room has died. You know, some some cowboy has died of syphilis. A Mexican's died of whatever Mexicans die of, I don't know. And a Native Americans died of american uh, of, of white people <laughs> um and then she said to me she goes well no 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 it's not just death okay it's that creates a ghost it's it has to be a particularly traumatic death that sticks with the soul and forces it to remain in this world in astral form and i was like traumatic death Gee, like okay correct me if i'm wrong but isn't death by nature pretty fucking traumatic do you know what I mean like if I was to make a list of the most traumatic things I could think of death would be the top of the list as a matter of fact it would just be a list of different ways of dying those are the most traumatic things I can think of you know and and I can't it's all a jumble now I can't remember really well but she started talking about like a ghost of a she said there was like uh, like a, a dog have you heard that when people talk about pet ghosts pet animals that remain like first of all if you're an animal if you're a wild animal because this is why this is the conversation we got into i was like so anything to become a ghost any living creature animals she's like yes i remember i said like like flies she goes well yeah look, like, flies how's a fly gonna have a traumatic death what the fuck is gonna how are you gonna have a go you could have a ghost fly in your house and you wouldn't even know it was a ghost just how would you oh it's a ghost fly actually fuck that Do you know what i think i have had a ghost mosquito you ever had a a little a little tiny fly in your house and you sorry if that was loud you smack it and then it's gone you're like oh okay And then, like, 20 seconds later, it's buzzing around again. But anyway, the thing is, literally, if you're a wild animal, including flies, but any wild animal, 100% you're going to have a traumatic death. There's only two ways that wild animals die. They either get eaten or they starve to death. Both very traumatic. I mean, think about it. You you either die from not eating enough or from being eaten too much. Because <laughs> you could be eaten too much. You know, you having someone eating you're like, well whoa, you don't eat too much of me. I'll fucking die, and then I'll be a ghost." I say, "Sorry, I'll just nibble. That's fine." Anyway, um, what the fuck was I talking about? Anyway, so yeah, I had this argument. I expressed how all animals have a traumatic death and then uh fucking hell. I can't remember. I got annoyed. Oh, that then I was like, and this is something I've thought of a lot, right? Think about this. If all animals, humans and all animals can become ghosts, if they have a, tra- and, and if traumatic death is your criteria, if tra- traumatic death is what is the, the secret ingredient to a ghost. Okay. Uh, answer me this, where the fuck are all the dinosaur ghosts, right? Because there was a shit ton of dinosaurs at one point. And if traumatic death is your fucking, your fucking rule, it doesn't get much more traumatic than you and absolutely everyone you've ever known being murdered by a giant frog. Fucking rock hitting the earth like a god, like a billion nuclear fucking warheads. And then, do you know what? A dinosaur, dinosaur ghost. This is very interesting, by the way. Dinosaur ghost, a very rare example of a of a case where the ghost is less scary than the actual living creature. Think about that. Because if like if you saw me, you wouldn't be scared. If I just was walking down the road and said hello, you go hello, Eddie. I'd say, how do you know my name? doesn't matter this is just a a uh, fuck why do i forget words i'm actually worried about my brain anyway you get my point but dinosaurs very very different because if you're walking down the road and a fucking t-rex suddenly went Rooah! that's the noise of a t-rex Rooah! comes storming around a corner of course, you'd see it before it came around the corner because it's gigantic. But you know what I mean. If a, if a T Rex showed up and everyone's running and screaming, ah, it's a T Rex, you'd shit your pants. But if some scientist came running and goes, stop, stop, why did they say scientist? A Ghostbuster comes running and goes, no, stop, stop, stop. It's not a T Rex. It's just a T Rex ghost. You'd be like, oh, thank fuck for that. It's a gut. Go- oh my go- oh, god. Oh I thought it was a, I thought it was a dinosaur. Dy- I thought it was gonna get eaten. It's just a fucking ghost. Wow, look at that look, stand back. I want to walk through it. Oh, it's dry. It's completely dry. It's like going on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, going through the waterfall and the Pirates can't really get the idea. Anyway, I think I've talked about that before that. Actually, I did talk about that at a comedy show once because it's quite funny. I hope I haven't mentioned on the podcast before. Otherwise that's shite. But anyway, I didn't talk about the dinosaur to this fucking idiot, but I did give her a hard time about the animal ghosts thing it's interesting though isn't it like every single person i know who's told me they believe in ghosts is a fucking idiot or a liar and uh that doesn't mean that ghosts aren't real but that's just what i've experienced anyway this is a rugby podcast um my name's eddie stevens i'm a cunt where are we at it's rugby round episode 38 let's go So if you listened uh, to last week's podcast with uh, Russ Milsom, a special guest, he came in my shed. I I, I still haven't cleaned up, but um, we talked for a very long time. Now, one of the things we talked about was podcasts, obviously rugby podcasts. And at one point you may remember he said that he never listened to, well, he doesn't like to listen to rugby podcasts before he does his podcast because he doesn't want it to affect what he's saying. And you know what? He's right because I've listened to so many podcasts since the England game, because I haven't had time to do this. And I'm super excited. Well, you know what? I was super excited. How are you feeling now about the England Island match? Obviously it's great, but has the happiness faded for you yet? Cause I can't maintain happiness very long. That's what I've realized. I was blissfully happy for about two days and now I'm just miserable as shit again. Just depressed. I can't, I can't do it. I can't be ha- I need constant happiness. I need England to be Ireland every two days, but then you know what? It would become boring to me and then I'd be really miserable. Anyway, my point is I was listening to all the, I've listened to a bunch of rugby podcasts. I've heard so much. I'm not so much worried about repeating what they've said or allowing their opinions to affect my opinion. It won't, but I do feel like it's all been said. But nevertheless, I will so, soldier on because chances are I'll say something really fucking stupid and that might be entertaining. I watched all the matches, um, except, you know, it's, it's weird. There's only three matches. It's obviously, it's the six nations. There's only three matches, but I'm so used to the premiership having to watch six matches, you know, trying to. It's so hard. This is a lot easier. And I still failed because I got bored during the Scotland match. I don't, I just got fucking bored um of course i was very out of it and still sick when it came on but um i probably won't talk about that much Uh, obviously the majority of what i'm going to talk about is the the uh greatest win of all time england against ireland i i watched the france versus wales Wales match uh that was before i got sick because that was uh friday and i actually really enjoyed it and of course, there's no way of proving this. and You're going to think I'm just using hindsight to cheat. But I always felt like Wales were going to come back and win it. I just have no faith in France's uh, mental strength. They are losers. They've forgotten how to win. Wales have forgotten how to lose. France have forgotten how to fucking win. Um, despite having some incredible players, Louis Picamol's, just completely lethal from five meters out as soon as he got that i should have made him the captain of my fantasy team he's in my fantasy team but um he's basically unstoppable when he's when he's as close to the try line as he was when he scored the try um now i don't know who you had commentating by the way during your matches because it seems like watching it i watch it on nbc sports gold the website uh because i can't watch it on tv or anything and uh, I seem to have different commentators uh, to the ones that other people are talking about. But I had Yian Evans and somebody else. I can't remember who it was right now. But um, it was annoying because his his voice sat, he sounded like he was on a phone. He sounded like Russ Russ Milsom from last week's uh, uh, Rugby Rands Banter, uh, where, he, as I think I tweeted, he was uh, calling me from a, a tin can with a string. It wasn't that bad. But you know what I'm saying. It was quite, fr- quite irritating to hear Yian Evans sounding like he was talking into a fucking 1930s phone. Did they have phones in 1930? I am so fucking stupid. Anyway, Yian Evans, though, I haven't heard him commentate in a long, long time. And I think he's better than he used to be. Because I always remember thinking, actually, he and Dowie Morris. Because I had Dowie Morris in the uh, in the England game. And I remember Dowie Morris... I hate saying shit like this because I'll tell you what, I bloody love Dowie Morris and he would be in my top three England scrum halves of all time. Uh, I'll probably do that at some point, but, um, his, he used, he used to be almost embarrassing to listen. He used to sound like I would sound if I were trying to commentate just a bunch of babbling forgetting words and uh talking bollocks but he was much better this time so hopefully he's just gotten better from years and years and years of doing it anyway um Yian Evans was decent too um but i thought it was a there was a fun match to watch and yeah Wales were playing shitty from the beginning and that's one of the other reasons I had a feeling that I had a feeling they would sort it out at half time cannot believe though that they didn't bench Um, Anscombe like much earlier because I'll tell you what Warren Gatland is a great coach he's probably better than Eddie Jones now listen a week ago I'd have said he's a hundred times better than Eddie Jones but Eddie Jones is starting to well I'm gonna have to eat some humble pie and then I'll throw up and shit myself again no doubt because I do not like eating humble pie at all as you will see as I go on but anyway my point is Warren Gatland, if anything, is probably a better coach than Eddie, Eddie Jones. But you could say what I like about Eddie Jones. One thing's for sure, he would have hauled off, as they say, Anscombe before halftime, way before halftime. And that would probably have been for the best. They probably would have won more comfortably if they had. I'm not sure why they're persisting with Anscombe uh, when they got someone as brilliant as Rhys Priestland. I don't understand. Rhys Priestland? What the fuck am I talking about? Dan Bigger, sorry. <laughs> fuck. Anyway, um I'll tell you what though, when they brought Dan Bigger on, it did help, it definitely did, but I actually think scrum half was more of an issue than fly half. And when Davies came on, I think he made an even bigger difference. Um all in all a good uh, an exciting game for a neutral at the at least. I kind of did want France to win, but only just, uh, wh- why did I want France to win? I, g- I suppose just because I'm a neutral and uh, it would have been more fun to see France win in France. And also, by the way, one of the highlights of that match, and I don't know why the commentators didn't just immediately start coming over this, the offload, and I think he, he had a couple of great offloads, but Aturia, the French flanker, the offload for, for uh, Uge, Uje huge Why can't I pronounce his name now? holy shit that it was a it's it's this is a new thing that i find myself saying every time someone does an offload like that and i hear other people saying it too it's beginning it's becoming a bit of a cliche but if danny cipriani had done that and it's true if danny cipriani had done an offload like that everyone would have gone this is why he should be the england fly half beautiful what a great player that Because i'm not familiar with most of these french players i do not pay i don't really watch french rugby at all but i thought he was great i thought that one winger was good you know the one um that's all i have to say about that the scotland versus italy match like i said i didn't i i, I stopped watching it blair kinghorn is a great finisher though i'm really interested to see how he does for the rest of the tournament against uh, better opposition oh and it was weird. i forgot that mike cat was part of the italian setup like to the point where it showed him and i went oh mike cat is coaching scotland i I, I was thinking maybe he's like helping out there but no it's italy of course italy is shit do you know what i remember i'm old enough as some of you are to remember when they were talking about bringing italy into the into the tournament changing it from the five nations to the six nations um having six six teams does make more sense to have no team resting although maybe it'd be good for the team to have a rest i don't know and i don't give a fuck but I remember people saying, yeah, Italian rugby deserves this. They've proved they just need that. They, 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 they need to make that next step. Then, and, and, and it's not fair because they don't get quality opposition. Well, they've had quality opposition now for how long? 20 years? Longer? Yeah, longer. I don't remember when the Six Nations changed. Late night, mid to late 90s, right? 97, 96. Fuck me. I don't remember. Um, but if anything, you know, everyone's going to talk about Conor O'Shea and I love Conor O'Shea and everyone's going to talk about the great work he's done in Italy, but you know what? There's every chance next season, this could be a, uh, you know, a bit of a blip. This could be, uh, just a, a, a weird, unprecedented peak for these Italian teams showing up a little bit better. And next season, they may be shit again. And the Italian performances, I feel like if anything, they've gone downhill. I mean, literally any team could win the Six Nations except Italy. It's the one team that you would bet your fucking life on not winning. I mean, they literally cannot do it. And uh, I'm not saying they should be thrown out or replaced. I don't know, but fuck me. It does weaken the the whole spectrum. It weakens the credibility of the tournament. It's embarrassing. Anyway, let's just talk about the Ireland versus England match. For the most part, everything I'm going to say is positive. Not all of it, though. Um, couldn't believe the start. What a fucking start. Just the power, the angles that they were running at, the passing. Jesus H. Christ. And, I, you know, like I said, I got to eat humble pie. Last week with Russ Milsom, I told him, I said, I don't think we can win. And I didn't. I had, n- I had no belief that we would win this. I'm I'm still shocked i'm just going to talk about i've made some notes on the match i'm just going to talk about a few things that no one else on any other podcast you've listened to have really talked about although they may have i can't bloody remember anything as you know um i'll tell you what really pisses here's, here's a few pet peeves of mine probably um probably going to do a few of them um i hate the situation at where a player is tackled And the referee wants the tackler to roll away. And if the, basically, if the tackler doesn't somehow teleport just in a puff of smoke and not be there, it's a penalty against them. And apparently, if an Irish player starts patting an English player on the floor, that means the referee has to give a, uh, has to penalize the tackler. Because the number of times someone tackles someone is clearly has got someone laying on top of him still manages to roll out there in a timely fashion it does not disrupt the flow of the, it does not uh, slow down the the opposition's ball and the referee penalizes it that this rolling away shit has gotten out of hand i don't like it don't like it don't want it next um oh the irish commentator again i don't know who you had to commentate on the irish England-Ireland match, oh, I had Dowie Morris and an Irish person. I can't remember who the Irish person was, but the Irish commentator seemed to think that Mario Toji's name was uh, Mario Ito- <laughs> Fuck me. He seemed to think that Mario Itoji's name is Mario Toji and at no point did Dowie Morris correct him. Not even off mic, because he s- kept saying it consistently. Mario Toji there. Unbelievable. Um... How ridiculous. So everyone's talked about it, but Mako Vinapola is, he's the best loosehead prop in the world. He is. It's just, you can't, I don't see any way to argue against it. Show me another loosehead who can scrummage. And scrummaging is not Mako's strongest suit, but he can do it very well. Show me another loosehead who can scrummage like him, carry, defend and even play first receiver you know i was thinking about it i reckon you could put him like if we were against italy you could probably put him at fly half and he would do a job i actually think he could which is horrible when you have you ever thought about this i have this weird habit when i'm watching something of imagining if somehow i was put in there how would i do sometimes it's, it's with cooking shows and i i don't cook at all my wife does and she likes watching these like cooking shows where they have you know, random ingredients and have to try and make something incredible. And I start thinking, what would I do with that? What would I? And I start getting kind of anxiety from imagining I'm on the show and just failing, which is insane. But I've actually thought about it with England. I used to think if I just had to be there in the, take someone's place, say, uh, the least, maybe on a win, well, got it, whatever. If I could take someone's place for 10 minutes, how. Much would I ruin the game. And now (laughs) I I think I was thinking this during the England game. If they put me on the pitch as an extra man, so there's sixteen men, we've got a one man advantage, would I actually make it worse? Would I actually just sort of get in the way and cause a problem? Very depressing. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Um But uh I thought the whole team played phenomenally well. Elliot Daly at fullback Look, I wouldn't change anything now because that's a great win. Um, I still think Mike fucking Brown is the best option. And I think that, look, England won the collisions throughout the match. When you're winning collisions, you you pretty much get to do what you want, and the opposition does not. That's why a lot of people are saying Conor Murray had a poor game and his kicking was poor. I actually didn't think his kicking was that poor. It's just most of his kicking was defensive. He actually did some beauties. And he was on the back foot the whole time, like the worst kind of game to have to play scrum half. Um, But for that reason, Ireland couldn't really exploit Elliot Daly in a way that maybe they could have in other games. They just weren't getting the quality ball and Johnny Sexton was having a hard time. Um, Having said that Elliot Daly played well. And I think with Johnny May being now Johnny May, i owe him an apology but i won't apologize um because i wanted to drop him and uh i still do you know what it takes a big man to to admit you're wrong which is why i won't um i still think that he might i still well anyone can have a can fuck up i'm still worried that he's going to do something insane and cost us an important match but you know what Amazing under the highballer match, amazing defensively, amazing in a, in attack. And I think that I, with that back three, with Elliot Daly, Johnny May, and Jack noel if they're communicating well, it probably won't be as big of a problem as I thought, not having the Mike fucking Brown there. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but you know what? you got to be honest. You've got to, you just got to be realistic with this shit, all right? Stop defending Mike fucking Brown. Um, I thought Manu was amazing back to his best. And that he's another one that I've kind of criticized. I thought he'd lost it. I didn't see the same power that I've seen in the past, but he seemed, he seemed to uh, be saving it for that match. I thought he was brilliant. Henry Slade. Fantastic. That last try he scored was a very uniquely Slade try. The, the way that he intercepted that ball, juggled it, fell, but managed to somehow keep a hold of it. He does shit like that all the time. I don't know. Uh, he's a wizard. Loved it. Now, let's talk about some seasonings. What's your favorite seasoning? I myself like pepper. Um The Irish love salt. And there's been a lot of salt, not by all of them, by the way. In fact, I'm going to start off by talking, but by just making this absolutely clear: if you are Irish, and for some reason you're listening to me, I like—I think like most English people—really like the Irish. Um, One on one, just socially, Irish people are great. It's during rugby, it's after rugby matches that I have an issue. The Irish do seem more than any other nation. I suppose it's their emotional, passionate streak, but they tend to not be very magnanimous in victory. And they tend to tend to be very salty in defeat. Um Before I go any further, I should say, you know, growing up, my step family are Irish and uh my stepbrother. Well, my stepbrother's English, but you know, his uh, mother's Irish. My stepmother was Irish. And, uh, and if he's, I don't know if he's listening, he did listen in the past, probably doesn't now, son of a bitch, uh, just joking, but he'll remember this, his grandparents, or his, his grandfather in particular, was a great man, of great Irish man, and he would come over and visit every now and again, and I fucking loved him, he's hilarious. And I still quote him to this day, based on one night when my uh, dad and my stepmom, I think they went out and left her parents at home and they were not happy. They got salty about this, right? So my dad and, and, and stepmother came home and we were, I think we were in the living room downstairs. They were upstairs. And we heard this arguing going on. And, and, uh, I, the two sentences, the two phrases, catchphrases that I use to this day. And this might not be, entertaining to you but i fucking love it and i feel like it's practical you can use it because i use these in my life for practical means he was complaining uh his his name was sil sil burke what an irish name sylvester burke and uh he was yelling at my dad and my stepmother and we just heard all this chatter 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 and then this sentence i take that's very bad which is fucking great we pissed ourselves. The second thing he said was, <laughs> so he's yelling at my stepmother. My dad then went in. He sees my dad and then we hear this. And you, you bastard. So here's how you can use those sentences. For example, so if I'm arguing with my wife, if I'm arguing with anyone and I just, it's getting intense and I just want to diffuse the situation Confuse the person I'm arguing with and just be done with it. I will say, inexplicably out of nowhere in an Irish accent, I think that's very bad. And then I leave. If someone's pissing me off a little really bit, like usually with my children, if my kids are misbehaving, I'll be like, yo, what are you doing? You were told to go and brush your teeth. Go and brush your teeth now. And then I'll look at one of my other kids and go, and you, you bastard, pick up your fucking toys. I don't say that, but I do. It's great. I've gone off on a tangent. My point is I like the Irish, but they're pissing me off. uh, Not so much now because I feel like they've been called out enough that collectively I've I've read enough comments from Irish people going, Hey, everybody, relax. Right. We're fine. We're fine with it. Some of these are silly billies. We're fine. Um, and that's good. Uh, but I did feel like immediately after that match as an Englishman that, you know, you get very much this feeling of, oh, here we go. Yeah, the English aren't allowed to celebrate a win over the second best team in the world, Ireland, in Ireland, because that's arrogance somehow. If we if we get excited about winning, it's, uh, it's arrogance. I hate that shit. I just want to be happy. I just want to enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? And I got into some disagreements on uh, Twitter. It's always Twitter, isn't it? And, like, everybody hates Twitter, yet we're all on there. Anyway, um, someone was saying that Ireland underperformed. Do you know what? If your team loses, do not say we underperformed, even if you think they did, because there's no... It's such a convenient excuse. Like, we can all say that anytime your team loses. Oh, we we really underperformed. Well, how do you know? How do you know that you underperformed and that you weren't just dominated by another team? Like, in this particular match, I feel like England completely outmuscled uh, the Irish, dominated and probably should have won by more, if anything. And yes, the Irish did underperform, uh, but how much of that was outside of their control most of it i would say maybe maybe they went into the match not entirely up for it but don't even mention it because that's just a shitty excuse it's like when people say oh well we missed four kicks at goal and we only lost by 10 points and if we would got all those kicks at goal we would have won yeah but you didn't get them like that doesn't make sense you can't like kicking the goals is part of the game if if, if, if we wouldn't bother kicking otherwise, you just say, oh, you get three points because you got a penalty. You've got to have the skill to kick the points under pressure and not fuck it up. And if you don't, you weren't good enough. And it's the same with this. Oh, you weren't you weren't pumped up enough. You weren't. right. Ra- well, why not? Who stopped you that made it unfair? No one. You know that you can't quantify. The. Um. Underperformance, not being up for it, not being properly motivated. Under- underperforming cannot be quantified. That's why you have a score. That's why you have a final score because thirty-two twenty can be quantified. Get it? If we didn't, if you didn't do that, you would just have Eddie O'Sullivan rating the teams and then and deciding who the winner was. He would have said Ireland win because he only put one or two English players in, in his combined team. I mean, it's obvious. What I'm saying is obvious, and I know that. But I'm just ranting. Um, oh, <laughs> another thing that pisses me off. Can we have a new rule that no one tries? Can we just stop trying to retroactively TMO the shit out of every match by tweeting video clips of moments that should have been penalties? Like there will always be things missed by the by the officials. And it's just part of the, the game. It's, it's it's It drives me fucking crazy. And I'm not going to do it. I don't care. I'm sure I've done it in the past. I don't care. If we lose a match, if England loses, and I see a case where there was a clear knock-on or a clear foul, a clear high tackle, whatever, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to share a screenshot and argue with people. Let it fucking go. And definitely let it go. Definitely let it go when you've been completely outplayed and definitely let it go if you've won the match. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm all for a bit of fun. I think with the Mako-Vunapola try, that's more fun, right? Or the Mako-Vunapola um, non-try where he put his hand under the under the ball. I think people are just doing it to be like, well, look at this. I think it's more of a uh, a sort of a counter-attack to all the Irish complaining. Um. But speaking of cunts, not the Irish, but just people that I don't like, people pissing me off. The the Omani-Sinclair incident, I'm not going to even get into the my dad can beat up your dad thing. Who gives a shit? If they were to fight, who would win? I don't know. I don't care because it's a rugby match. But when he said cunt, first of all, I couldn't even understand what he was saying. Um, I cannot believe. I cannot. Actually, I... I cannot believe that. I can't believe it, but I cannot believe that people are actually upset by this shit. Jesus Christ. It's a fucking rugby match. They're trying to kill each other, essentially. And people are getting upset that they hear someone call somebody a cunt. Listen, I'm saying cunt right now. It's a noise and it doesn't actually mean anything. I'm going to have this. I talked about it. I did a joke about this before. I'm not going to do it again because it involves the N word. And that's the thing. People are saying the C word. The C. Don't say the C word. Say cunt or say a bad word. Don't try and make the C word your N word. You don't have a right to be upset by cunt. It means nothing. In fact, none of these fucking words do. Even the N word is only given power by people being outraged by it which is why a very famous comedian ah shit what's his name benny ah, fuck i can't remember famous american stand-up comedian has a famous you can't listen to his shit nowadays it's it's it doesn't hold up it's terrible compared you know it it's outdated but lenny bruce he went up in the 60s or whenever it was and said the n-word multiple times multiple times and his point being and it was proven you say it enough it loses its power and cunt you're watching a rugby match now i get you know maybe you're worried that your kids could hear it but guess what i've got audio now i swear like a fucking cunt ass bitch fuck oh god I almost said the n-word jesus that was weird but you put it in my head um <laughs> but uh I have a audio tape of my brother and I from late the eighties when I was about five or six and we are swearing like sailors. And this is, and I talked to my son who's now 14 and he years ago, I talked to him about this and he told me it's the same. All these kids, all your kids they say cunt. They swear all the time because it's fun for them. They're aware of the word cunt. And if it's little kids, well, it's just a part, a part of life. Jesus fucking Christ. You could be taking your toddler for a walk and someone could get hit by a car. You have to cover their eyes and then you have to try and explain to them that life's fucking horrible and people get hit by cars. Don't worry about cunt because what you're doing, by the way, is you're just being mind fucked. You're being mind controlled. You've been conditioned. You're like Pavlov's dog. It's like the, you hear a you hear a noise and get upset. It's the same goddamn thing. You mind your own business and <laughs> you get you you're, you're triggered. You've been programmed to be upset by a fucking noise. And like I said cunt doesn't mean anything except vagina. What's wrong with those? And just a general sort of word of insult, which is I've been can you anyone who's played rugby? knows how stupid it is to get upset about it. If you're playing a rugby match and you piss someone off and they shove you and people hold you back and it's nearly a fight, never are you going to leave the pitch going, I can't believe you called me a cunt. Like, I don't, I look. i punched me in the face. That's fine. Punch me in the face. Do not call me the C word. <laughs> C word. You flipping flapper. <laughs> oh, fuck me. You know what You know what really pisses me off about it is that this is Britain. This is the UK, right? Now, there's a sort of running joke amongst my friends that I say the word cunt a lot, and they let it go because I'm English. Because in America, they hate well, the word cunt. They've always hated it. And that's why I have a brilliant comedy bit about it, which I've already done, and I can't do again because, like I said, I don't want to, you know... But, um, like, I even joke that cunt, like, I act like it's my N-word. Like, I'll say cunt, and then if an American says it, I'm like, hey, that's my word. Don't you use that? Because when I was coming up in England, cunt was a word that, you, th- you know, it wasn't a nice word, but it didn't have this, it wasn't the C-word. But it's upsetting to me because, you know, I've lived in the U.S. for 20 years now. And uh, over the years, when I do go back, which is, excuse me, God almighty. I'm going to throw up again um when i do go back which is not that often every time i go back obviously england changes but what shocks me is the americanization of england and i don't know if you're aware of it or not but there's because i've always tried to hold on you know because i i mean one day i'll talk about this fully but you know i i kind of never wanted to to leave england and live in america and it's fucked up circumstances nothing weird or illegal my mother's american i have family over here don't worry about it but my plan was always to go back to england never planned on staying here this long then i knocked up some whore (laughs) not my wife another one um and uh so i i always I was always acutely aware of I don't want to lose my Englishness, which I clearly have to a degree. I mean, for one thing, I sound fucking Australian now, and I probably say weird things every now and again. I, I'm sure that I've said a few things, a few, um, a few words that are very American. I don't even know. But my point is, when I used to go back to England in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was still very much, you know, I, my friends would give me shit for saying certain words using certain terms. I remember walking down the street and saying, give me the goddamn ball. And my friend went, Oh, what's that? What are you talking about? Give me the goddamn ball, you American cunt. And I went, <laughs> you're a cunt. And he said, you're a cunt. I said, shut up, dad. Um, and, uh but now every time I go back there, more and more American slang, American words. And, you know, I talked about the coffee shops, more coffee shops now. And uh that bothers me. Like cunt, you seem to, those of you listening in England, you, you've lost cunt. It seems like... Because I remember hearing Joe Marler talking about tattoos, saying he'd get anything tattooed on him except the C word. That's really nasty. Why the fuck is this... Fuck off. Jesus Christ. I mean, don't get don't get cunt tattooed on you. That would be insane. But, I mean, don't fear the cunt. Um, do I have anything I want to talk about? Anything further? Uh... I don't know. I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of rugby ran to banter. I kind of want to, this has been a bit, um, a bit of a tricky one. It's probably a bit mumbled and bumbled and jumbled. I talked about ghosts. I talked about cunts. I talked about vomiting in my own shit. Um, I talked about, I sang the return to innocence by Enigma. I should probably start preparing more for these podcasts. I make some sort of very, um, primitive notes and then I sort of just jump around from point to point. But I've decided I'm going to take it a bit more seriously, even to the point. And this is just, this is just a fun thing. I'm going to make some fucking t-shirts. I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to do it, but wouldn't it be cool for you, especially those of you? And by the way, I'm going to come up, I'm going to make a fucking list. Some of my sheddies. I think of you as my sheddies some important key listeners who have, who are in touch with me over the months that I've been doing this. I can't remember how long I've been doing it. Who hundred percent, I'll make a list of the top 10, top 10 Sheddies will get a free t-shirt. And what you don't know is I actually do draw. I'm quite a, quite a good drawer. I mean, um, too humble to tell you how great I am, Obviously. Um, I'm incredibly humble. Fuck me. That's probably my best trait. Um, but modesty forbids, forbids me, but I will create t-shirts that will probably be the best t-shirts anyone ever made. And my top 10 sheddies will get one for free. I've already decided. And then after that, who the fuck's going to pay for one? Well, you know what I'll do? Doesn't matter if no one pays for them. I'll give away my top, my top, my top 10 sheddies will get one. And then I'll just have a supply and I'm going to have a, a site, a place where someone could buy them for a reasonable price and they'll just sit there and no one will buy them until one day I blow up big time. Uh, or they just sit there till I'm dead. It doesn't matter. At least I'll have done it. I have to figure out what to have printed on it. That's what I'll do. I'll come up with, I'll, I'll get a more, um, solid idea of what it is. I'm going to do just one design and you can tell me if you want message me on Twitter or whatever, what you think it should say say i like the idea of shed life i even told my wife and this horrified her that i was going to get the words shed and life on my knuckles you know like s h e d and then life on the other hand so when i hold a fist up you know i'm talking about very gangster um that would be hilarious i wouldn't do it um like eddies sheddies something like that i don't know you come up with an idea and I'll, I'll come up with some kind of cool logo for it any ideas you have let me know i gotta go this is ridiculous my wife's off her period she's gonna let me have sex is she i will let you know because none of her secrets are safe with me um all right i'll i'll i'll, I'll see you later you fishy on a